Amen. It is good to be in the house of God. Where God's people are, that's where the church is. Um, it's amazing. I've said it before, but I just feel I need to say it again. I've been faithful to the Lord for many years. We're not perfect. And in fact, that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. But our faithfulness, I've been looking to Him and trusting in Him for many years. But there is something so special. There's something incredible about coming together. And the Lord has proven that to me this year more than ever, that Dawn and I, for a season, we met right in our home, right in our living room. And that was amazing. I don't say that time was wasted or that it was wrong. I feel like God did that to get us here. But there was something that happened when we came together, like to, to be one. There's just something supernatural, and I can't express it. What God does, he just does something on a whole nother level. When we take our faith and we combine it with other faith, the, the, I mean, a very simple analogy. We've talked, we've said this in Christianity. If you've been in the church, you've heard this analogy that if you watch the Discovery Channel, a lot of people don't like this part, but it's a reality of the life we live. But the predator needs to eat, and he doesn't eat the grass like the gazelle. So he needs to eat one of the flock. That's, and that's, he's not going to eat unless he does. Now, gazelle wants to live, and they know what to do to live. They stay together, and they stay as one unit. And it's very, that makes it difficult for the predator. But if you've watched Discovery Channel or any of those type of shows, you've seen one, what do they do? They wait for the weakness. They wait for the one off by themselves. They wait for the one falling back. They wait, and that's the one that they snatch. And the crowd, the thing just keeps moving. You just see the herd. They just keep going. And I just believe that the Lord has called us together. It's so important. And I didn't plan on saying any of this, but he's put us together for that reason there's something that happens. I do believe he can protect you on a personal note. He can protect you as one person. But there's something supernatural that happens when we are together. Something special happens as one unit and unity. Something beyond you on your own. You can do so much on your own. There's like, there's so much. Right, Tony? How much could we do one person and then together? We still laugh because when we first came in the building for the first time last August, we came over here and I said, Tony, we got to do some things around the property because it had been so left for so long. And we still joke about it. He came in the next day. He's like, I almost killed <laughs> <laughs> But um, we got stuff done in one day. We did, we did a lot. It had been like left for years here a lot of things, and in one day, the power of together got some things done. There's just something that's just, we get that. The Lord can do something in you, and he can protect you by yourself, and he has that right. He's God, and I'm not saying that there's not times you're by yourself, but there's something supernatural and special about them uniting together the body. It's just something happens, something at a whole nother level. Miracles actually just begin, testimonies start flowing easier out of you too. They just do. And I've said we've seen more miracles this year 
um, as a body than I've seen in my entire life. It's an amazing thing. So I, I didn't plan on saying any of that, but I just really just wanted to say I'm so excited. I'm so in love with this and you guys. And that should happen. That takes some time, right? Love takes time. But as a shepherd here, I love the sheep. I truly do. I get this and I get what God's doing and I get that he's moving us. He's taking us somewhere just like the shepherd and his flowing. You know, there's a stream here and there's a field here and he takes you down here and then he takes you up here. But the, they stay together. Shepherd's watching. And anyway, God's put us together. And I love that. Just love it. Amazing thing. Does that make any sense for anybody? All right. I wanted to speak to you today on something the Lord put on my heart. It's out of the book of Philippians chapter 3. And um, I was seeking the Lord, and I read some, a scripture there that really just hit me hard. I said, wow, what a, what a powerful thing that you're saying, Lord. And I'm going to get there. It's halfway down in chapter 3, but I just want to give you a little bit of a premise on what he's saying to the Philippians, what chapter 3 is about. It's Paul writing, and... Um, where he's headed in this chapter. And what he says here in Philippians 3, Paul's talking about this, this, this idea of religion versus relationship. He starts talking about this idea. He says in the first verse is that he says, you know, that there's, there's a people who are going to say you need to be circumcised to be saved. And he starts the chapter saying you need to watch out. You need to be careful because there's a, there's a people that will try to get you to do something in the flesh. You need to be careful because this will creep in. He warns them, as Paul does in many of his letters. Um, it comes with some things like, hey, I heard this about you. It's amazing. Thank you for doing this, etc. But he also, in most of his letters, warns them and he says, you need to watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. And he says, for we worship by the Spirit of God. We are the ones who are truly circumcised, for we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. In verse 4, Mariah, though I have confidence in my own effort, Paul says, you know, if there's, I don't have any confidence in my flesh. But if I wanted to talk about that, if we wanted to go that route, because you're saying, hey, you know, we've been circumcised, we're doing these religious things, we're doing these acts, um, you know, I, I attend this service three times a week, I sit down and I make sure I have all my T's crossed and my I's dotted and everything's in line. But he says... I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And he says, verse 5, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the law. And he says in verse 6, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. 
Paul starts this chapter saying, I want you to be careful because religion creeps in so easily. It has a way of creeping in, doesn't it? And, you know, we can look. I was just meditating on this thought. We can look from here because we've got comfy chairs and we're like, we rent a building. People are like, you know, you tell people you're in a church and they, you tell them that we rent a building. They don't understand. Like, we mean you don't have your own um, little area to sit out front of the gazebo and your own little um, burial, uh, wow, Cemetery, thank you. I had the picture in my head. Yeah, steeple. And, you know, so I was just talking to someone this week, and I had this amazing conversation with this guy, and I said to him, I said, I don't care how you worship, because that really is irrelevant. I don't care as long as Jesus Christ is the center. And that's where, what we have to do. That's how we have to talk in those situations, because we're all worshiping in different ways. And what I was thinking is, we could look from here and say, that's religion. This isn't. Meanwhile, you could be here and just be showing up once a week. I think I punched my ticket. I went to church. I opened my Bible a few times this week. I listened to Christian radio. Start going down the punch list. But it's funny, but it's true. We could do the motions that we look at and we say, I'm glad I'm not in that. Whatever that form is, that's why I'm not naming any. You can use your imagination, but denominations and ways that they do things. And you can say, I'm glad I'm not in those formalities. I have a pure relationship with Jesus. But we can get just kind of in the flow and kind of in the rut. And we could just be going with this. We could just be showing up. And it's so easy because our human nature, our human nature, Dawn and I, we love schedules. We were just saying this morning, we were venting to Jean, we were having a conversation that we hate, I, we're so envious of the person that like just works a job, they come home, they watch a show or two that they like, they have their dinner, they go to bed, they come up, do it again, maybe on the weekend, they play golf, go attend their church. Sounds like a really nice, you know, simple every day, just, you know, go with the flow, not go with the flow, but you got your schedule and your plan. But I was like, John, that's not us. John's saying that's never been him. It's like, you got to do this now, and it's this now, and it's that here, and it's like interrupted with this, and that's interrupted, and that's interrupted, and blah, 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 blah. That's how I feel. I think that's really most of society. That's really the reality. I mean, that's what Jesus, you don't see Jesus going nine to five, do you? He's over here, and he's over there, and then he's down in the boat, and then he's, you see him so many times, he crosses the lake, but he's crossing right back again. I think that's just moving with God. But I was thinking how, you know, we, our human nature, though, is we like the schedule. We like things in boxes. We like that. That's just our human nature. We just, even if you live in a chaotic life, you desire things to be in order. And what happens is, is we, even in our relationship with God, we, don't, we can't even help it, but something started. We put God in boxes. You know, here's my morning time, bam, box. And it could be, here's the thing about religion, is that the actual act of the thing that you're doing religiously is actually the, at the heart of it was a pure thing. 
For instance, the act of communion. The actual cup of juice that you're gonna, you would get here, right? A little plastic cup with a little bit of juicy juice is not actually Jesus' blood, just so you know. It's an act that we do, though, that something spiritual, when I do this, I remember your blood. And so you can have an act of something religious, of religion, and it can be a heart thing where that's what you're thinking when you drink that juice. It's just juice, or it might be wine at your church, but when you drink that, you say, this is a moment, like Jesus told us to do, that's what he said to do. He said, do this often and remember. When you break the bread and you remember, this is, you know, Jesus, uh, I've been busy and I forgot. And it's good to keep coming back to that. So an actual religious act is not the bad thing. It's that if that's like, oh, I did communion today, check. Did my communion, check. And Paul was saying, you know, there's a people that they go through the motions and what happens is if you just go through the motions, almost hand in hand, what, you happen, what happens because you're really, your heart's not after Jesus, you're just going through the motions, your heart's not after him. What happens is the very next thing is, who's seen this? Someone's a devout religious person, but every other word is mother effer. Because that was also out of the mouth of this guy. So that's why I usually just hammer home, Jesus, 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 because, I mean, what am I going to say to you? You think you're going, you're doing and going and, and like you're so devout, but talking like that, there's obviously something in your heart that hasn't happened yet. Something is still in the process of working in you, isn't it, when you hear that? And so Paul says, listen. You want to talk religion? Fine, let's talk religion. I was the best at it. I was the absolute best of going through the motions. I was so zealous that I even went and killed the first Christians because I believed in my religion. If he had actually believed in his God... How could he kill somebody who Jesus just saved? Obviously, he couldn't. He didn't have a revelation of Jesus yet. He was about to, wasn't he, when he was killing Christians? Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? Paul had his revelation. But before that, he had religion. And it's as simple as this is the definition the Lord gave me years ago. You take something that somebody or even yourself have done once before and do it again, thinking that you're going to get a spiritual reaction. You watch somebody else do something and they worship a certain way and they do this act and you're like, I'll do that. It's not the act. Like when we raise our hands, you can raise your hands all you want. They raise their hands to Allah. Raising your hands is an act. Is an act. It's a religious thing. It's not going to get you any closer to God. But now your heart that says, uh, my symbol, this symbol is just an act, but it's symbolizing a heart thing that I want to, I give up. I give up. I surrender. And now the same act is religious, 
or is a spiritual thing. So Paul says, I was the best at it. In fact, we don't have time today, but Jesus talks about the Pharisees a few times, doesn't he? He says, I was a Pharisee in verse 5, telling you exactly what type of religious guy he was. I'll just, one example was the Pharisees, they watched the disciples walking through the field and they were picking grain. And they said, hey, you can't do that. You're harvesting grain on the Sabbath. That's against the law. And you see, Jesus, the Son of God, is walking with his disciples through the field. And they miss that and they see the, the religious. They got caught in the, the act. And then they said, you know what we're going to do? We see a flaw in Jesus. He doesn't care about our laws, so let's catch him. So Jesus knows that. Jesus knows what he's doing. This is in Matthew 12. I'm just giving you a paraphrase. He comes along and he says to a guy, come here, I want to heal you. And he heals them. Bam. So they come to him and they say, is that lawful that you healed someone on the Sabbath? Do you get where I'm going with this? Religion, it says, you're so ingrained in the act and doing and the washings and, the go and all of that stuff that they miss that the Son of God is right in front of them healing the very reason why we do those religious acts. And it became a thing called the law for them. It was law. God didn't write it as law. He wrote it at, so that we could have a relationship. Hey, here's a way. Because our human nature is to write our own laws. We've been talking, we did that in this last sermon series, didn't we? We write our own laws. What we think, what we like, what we feel. So God wrote it down for them. Now they got so concentrated and so focused on the letter of the law, as we call it, Christianity, that they lost the heart to the reason why those things were written down. So Jesus challenges them. So Paul says, you want to talk about religion? I was there. And it's interesting that he names he was one of the Pharisees because Jesus spends most of his time when he's, there's the Sadducees as well, right? But he spends a lot, the most common ones, the Pharisees, so that Paul's one of them is very interesting. Jesus has a way, as a side note, but he has a way of taking somebody that you least expect, doesn't he? And using him for something. Now Paul goes on and he says, in verse 7, and I absolutely loved, I mean, this chapter, I read this, I just feel like the Lord was speaking to us here as a church. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. In verse 8, and yes, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The interesting thing is, is that the very law that he's calling worthless now, the very thing that he says is worthless, was supposed to point to Christ. But they got so in the motions. And Paul thought he was doing right. 
that's why he's telling you, I was so, I thought, I so thought that I had it figured out. I was even willing to kill for my faith. Sounds familiar to a particular faith today, doesn't it? That's so wrong. They're so in it. They're so, in, so possessed by it that they'll kill for it. And meanwhile, the very thing that was supposed to point to him, Paul gets it. And he's like, listen, there is one reason that you're alive. There is one reason that the church exists. There is one reason, and it's knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. In fact, the Greek word that translates here garbage, to be more literal, is septic garbage. If we were a real modern church, which I will not do, not even thinking it, you could say a certain word there. He's like, man, that's what going through the motions is. That's what religion is. He says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. You know, there's a concept here that he starts talking about. He's been talking about religion. He's made it very clear. Forget religion. Forget going through the motions. It doesn't work. It will never get you anybody. It will never get you anything. I have realized what it's all about. I mean, I did what it took. I was without fault in my religion. But I realized something, that it's all about Jesus. And he says here in verse 10 and 11, he says, I want to know Christ. When I read these words, New King James says, just says, to know him. To know him. To know him. To know Jesus. To know him. To know him. I want to know Christ. You can keep your religion. I want to know Christ. And I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Paul takes it a level further, which we don't mention in the church often. Wouldn't be fair for me not to read this verse. I want to know him so much. I want to be so close to him. I want to experience Jesus Christ that I am even willing. And Paul proved it in his life, didn't he? Paul went through some things following Christ. He was unashamed and he would not bow his knee to Satan no matter what came his way. If it was prison or beatings or shipwrecks and he goes on and on, right? Man, I'd love to see his life and it's a chart. Wouldn't be very 
uh, uplifting. But he says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And the NLT says it like this, and I kept going back. I went through so many translations, and I went to the Greek, and I was like, what does that mean, one way or another? Or it says, if, by any means, in the New King James. And I thought, if, from one way or another, and I realized what he's saying here. He's like, listen, even if I have to die for him, one day when we follow him, we're going to have a resurrection. But even if I've got to literally die for him, I'm willing, one way or another, whether it's just by natural death, living with him, I'm going to be with him. Or if I literally have to die for him, we're going to get the resurrection from the dead. He was saying, in the same way that I was so zealous for killing those that opposed my religion, I killed you. Man, talk about hatred and anger. I mean, really, what's the epitome of that? Thinking he's doing the right thing is really, I mean, we're talking about hate today. Well, let's not get into those ironies of what hate is. We can't say anything, but those that are really, to me, showing the epitome of hate can say whatever they want. I'll leave that at that. So Paul is saying, man, I killed I killed for what I believed, and I've realized that I'm willing. I want this Jesus so much. I realize that that's what it's all about so much that the very people I killed, I could turn and say, I'll join them. You put me in there. And Paul paints this picture. He paints a picture of a few points. He says, I want to know Jesus I want to be in his resurrection. I want to be one with him. And I said all that to get you to this. I had to, to be fair, it's great. We can take one verse out of the Bible. We can do that. And there's power in it. But I said all of that to point you to where the Lord brought me here. Because he, he wrote all this. In Philippians 3, he took the time to write all these things to point you to something he's about to say. He's saying, I had religion and now I've got Christ, so much so, I'll die for what I believe. And he goes on to say, verse 12, I don't mean, let's just say this out loud, whoever's willing to read it out loud, I don't mean to say that I, let's because we'll make it personal, I have already achieved these things, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. Come on. When I read these words, these are the words. And I said, well, why did he say this? I mean, we could have, I could have just open to this verse, and it could be a powerful message from there, but I felt like Paul needed to tell his reason why he wrote these words. It's not just about you having mind over matter. It's not about you having will that I'm going to press on. It's about... What is he pressing on? What is he saying he's achieved? What is it? He just told us. Rejection of what you think is right. Rejection of going through the motion. Rejection of just going through it and being zealous for what you think you believe, what you think is right. Man, all I want 
This is what I'm pressing on. I'm reaching to know Jesus. I've discovered that that's all that matters. I just not that I just want to know him, but I'm going to press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In other words, Jesus paid a big price for me to be here. And I thought I had it all figured out. I'm Mr. Know-it-all. Don't you love Mr. Know-it-all who thinks he's got it all figured out? Zealous in what he knows? And he realized that what he thought he knew was nothing, garbage. I want to say that word. Because that's, that's how repulsive it is. It was that disgusting to him. That's disgusting. But I press on. I'm going to do whatever I have to, no matter what comes, no matter what I face, no matter what anybody says to me, I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided no matter what the culture does, no matter what my family says that I'm crazy, I have decided that I'm going to press on and I'm going to possess a perfection, not that I could earn, but that comes from Christ and one that He possessed me for. See, Paul wasn't saying there's a big misconception in the modern church that just because we reject religion and we reject the works that there's nothing required on you. We love that. We say, oh, they're in religion. We've got relationship. Well, relationship means that we know Him. Paul tells us, not just like I know of him, if we're going to reject religion, we don't want to be found out somewhere in between. Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? Talks about an in-between place. Calls it lukewarm. He says that there's a people, they got a little bit of religion, and they got a little bit of knowing me, and they've mixed it together. And they think they've got something. Verse 13. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I haven't achieved it yet. I'm a work in progress. Man, if it wasn't for time, I could really preach to you guys. I'm just going to paraphrase. You know, he says, we know the scriptures. He's like, man, my, my flesh, it wants to do something. My flesh, my nature, it wants to do such and such all the time. And I'm constantly doing it. And I'm, I can't believe that I'm doing the wrong things. I can't believe that's even still coming out of me. But, and I hate it, he says. I hate that I do what I don't want to do. But the misconception where I was going there is that Paul doesn't say, but that's okay. Thank God for his grace. I can just keep doing it. I hate what, I, what that part of me, but that makes me press on. That makes me look to Jesus more. It doesn't make me get more religious. It doesn't make me attend church more. When I discover that I'm still allowed to say MFR out of my mouth when I'm supposedly devout, something in me decides, no, 
It's not me, it's Christ in me. It's not me, it's Christ in me. And it's the supernatural thing that happens in you. It's not you, but there's something in you that decides, I am willing to let you be God. Something happens in you, and you focus. He says, I focus on this one thing. I've decided to focus I got my focus. You got your focus everywhere. Where are you going to end up? Everywhere. You got your focus on one thing. You've decided. I have decided. Oh, man. I have not achieved it, but I'm focusing to get there. That's what I'm about. I'm not going to be flippantly about in His grace. You know what Paul says about that type of Christianity? He's like, that's like putting Christ back on the cross. You want to just float around in His grace? Just do, oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace that I can just do whatever I want whenever I want, but I've got grace. No, there's something in you that says, I hate it, and it's still going to happen. You're still going to have sin coming out of you in your flesh on this earth, but there's something in you that hates that thing so much so that not that you get it right, but you get back to the one who will make you right. That's what he says just a few verses back. There's a righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ that I discovered. I discovered that I couldn't get there doing it in my flesh. But he's not saying don't do anything. He's saying just the opposite. Man, I'm so focused that I'm willing to die for what I believe. That's my focus. And I forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. Why would he need to forget the past? It's dead. Because that past is obviously flawed. If it was filled with Jesus Christ and filled with great things, then I wouldn't forget it. I'd remember those things. Jesus said, remember, we just talked about it, remember my communion. Why? Because this is a moment that I want you to keep doing Think about, so if Paul says, I'm going to forget it, it means it's something he doesn't like in him. But he said, I'm not going to mellow in that place. I'm not going to just hang in my sin and, oh, well, it was me. Oh, I'm such a sinner. Oh, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Stop saying that. How about this? I know that I hurt you, God. I know that sin keeps coming out of me, but I want you more. It makes me look to you more. It makes me want you more because I know what you've already done in me. What Paul had, see, Paul had a supernatural experience with Jesus Christ, and he saw what he could do in him, so Paul yielded his life to Jesus, and he looked forward to what lies ahead. What's he referring to? What he just pointed us to. That's what he's saying. That's why I had to, you know, and it took a little bit tedious and maybe I hope I didn't lose you in chapter three, but he's getting somewhere. Hey, this is what lies ahead. It's eternity. There's resurrection. I may even die for what I believe and I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about this life. Man, I could, there's so much scripture. I could really, and we'll get into it some of these weeks. 
There's so much that Paul paints through the scriptures about this life and about its fleetingness and it's just going, it's disappearing. My grandmother, we just went and visited her in the hospital last night. She's 91 with a breathing tube. Life is, it's just, the Bible calls it a wind. It's just a wind. Comes and goes. But we know one thing. Paul's like, but I know. I don't care. Who cares that it's quick? Because my body's already dead. I've already died. There's nothing to die. So they take my body. So what? I get to know Jesus. I discovered what it's all about. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word that was here today, Lord, because you are the word made flesh. That's what you said of yourself, that the written word is you. You were it and it is you. You were here today. As the word was spoken, I thank you, Lord, that you showed up. And the things that you planted in our hearts, Lord, I pray that this week that the watering would come. Lord, that where the devil tries to come and steal immediately, that's what your word says. I thank you, Lord, that the word today was planted deep in good soil so that he cannot steal it away. I pray, Lord, for confirmations. That's the watering all week. Lord, that each one here would hear confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that I'm on the right track. I don't have it figured out, and I'm not perfect, and I haven't achieved it, but I am pressing on. I'm looking to the one, the author, and the finisher of my faith. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.